God bless you all. Good evening. I trust you're well. Amen. Uh, Sister Mary's the best of us all. <laughs> how's the how's the foot? So, that's good. Wonderful. So, uh, well, uh, thank you. Uh, it's it's been a crazy day for me, and. Uh, I had a couple of different thoughts on my mind. Uh, but on my way in, something's kind of completely new uh, just popped out. I mean, it's not new, new, but it's a new thought and uh, it just seems like uh, uh, that's what we'll have a look at tonight, if the Lord is willing. Uh, and uh, I'm trusting the Lord will bless. Um, so I I gave it a title and the title is The Seven Ways of Salvation The Seven Ways of Salvation and uh, we'll, we'll have a look at this and we'll trust the Lord will speak to us a little bit into our hearts and encourage us uh, in, in His uh, in His walk in His way let's turn to Romans chapter 8, let's stand up on our feet, we'll just take one verse from Romans chapter 8, uh, there are many really good verses there, and, and we'll just use that as a basis to, to get this out, uh, and it's verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for sure we want to live this life that we have here in the way of life and peace. Help us to be spiritually minded. Help us to put aside everything that we think of ourselves and just focus on you and let your spirit come and speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May take your seats. One of the things that I sincerely believe, and I believe you would agree with me, is that God loves life. He is the author of life, of all life. It all has, it all draws its strength, it all draws its source from God. And God loves life, and we know that because when God finished creating all life, He looked at it and He said, you know what? That's just not, that's not just good, that's very good. I like that. Okay? And God loves life, and He's going to save life, He is going to preserve life, He is going to bring people into life however He can. He is going to use the smallest excuse that He has to bring somebody, to pass somebody over from death into life. And that's a good thing, and that's uh, one thing that we should 
learn something from when we're walking around and when we're seeing people and when we're seeing things that they're doing that maybe we disagree with and maybe we wonder how they could do that or even why they could do that we should end up with a conclusion that that person is a life that God loves and would love to save rather than being like all judgmental and being like oh oh my goodness how can they do that it should be maybe how can we bring them to salvation, how can they get saved, how, because God loves life, we should love life too, and God loved life so much, that we find in John 3.16, that he saved the world, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him, should not perish, but should have everlasting life, and when Jesus died on the cross, a wonderful thing happened, he purchased the whole world, the whole world. He purchased you. He purchased me. He purchased all the cows. Okay? He purchased all the birds. He purchased all the humans through history. Everything belongs to Jesus. And that brings us to a wonderful truth that I think sometimes we, get a, we distance ourselves a little from. Because we say, oh, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this in order to be saved. Well, you know what, there's, there's, there's absolute validity, you must be born again, and the Bible talks about the must and being baptized in Jesus' name. But what you have to understand is that God owns everybody. So in order to be lost, well let me put it this way, you don't have to accept God in order to be saved. You do not have to accept God in order to be saved. You have to reject God in order to be lost. Yeah. Because otherwise, little kids that die, little babies, they would be lost. Because they never had the chance to accept God. But they're saved because they never had the chance to reject God. Because God didn't hold them accountable. You understand? And so, you have to reject God in order to be lost. Uh, let's not reject God, people. No, let's follow him with all our hearts because the de- your default status is in salvation and the devil is trying to rob you of life. Okay? And that God is trying to give you. Here, take this, take this, take this. This is already yours. It's your, for you. Oh no, you, you, you prefer to die than to live. And the devil are people so deceived. So, so the blood of Jesus has purchased the whole world, but there are only seven ways in which people can be saved. That's it, just seven. Alright? And so I want to ask you the question tonight, which way uh, are you going to be saved? Alright? Because there's only one of seven ways that a person can be saved. Now, it's all through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not getting away from that. But with it all being through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's purchased everybody. So everybody is saved. Everybody that ever will be saved, you can't be saved outside of the blood. All right? (laughs) But you can be saved without knowingly accepting the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll get into that. Okay? Okay?
So how do you get saved? Or how do you know if you're saved? How do you actually enter into life? Let's turn to Revelations chapter 20. It's a really wonderful scripture here. Uh, All right. So, uh, and I saw a great white throne. Verse 11. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there are two deaths. The first death, which is your mortal death. The second death, which is the finish, the end. That's it. There is no more life in you if you go into the second death. So if you, go, if you don't go into the second death, it, it's because your name is in the book of life. Alright? You have to be in the book of life or you're going to be in the second death. The, the, we just read that. Okay? So where do we find the book of life? Well, back to Revelation chapter 5. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and out, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And we know that in that book are all the names written of anybody that's ever going to be saved, of anybody that can enter into life. It's written on that book. <coughs> and... and uh, when we see the book of life in the hand of him that sits on the throne, we're looking at salvation. We're looking at saying, okay, I have got, you know, we sing the song, song when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. It says, I've got the roll. It's going to be called up yonder if somebody can pay the price for it. Right? Nobody could pay the price for it except Jesus. And he came and he said, by my sin-free blood, I have paid the price. Okay? Uh, the, the only other people to have blood like that were Adam and Eve, created by God. And they fell to sin. Okay? So, Jesus says, I'm going to pay my, my blood to purchase back the whole of the human race. And not just the whole of the human race, but the whole of creation. Uh, the description of, of everything that's going to be on the new he in the new heaven and the new earth, I believe, is in that book. Because the whole creation groans and cries out, waiting to be released, waiting to be brought back. It says, I'm not meant to be here, I'm meant to be somewhere else. So all the names are written on that book, and the book is sealed with seven seals. Right? And so, we find that every name... Every way that... Because we all know the book is a scroll, not a... Not a, a book book. I mean, 
Okay? Everybody know that? Hands up if you know that. Okay? All right. Almost everybody knows that. So you, un you, you unlock a seal and you open a small portion of the book. And then you get to the place where the next seal is. And you unlock that seal or you break that seal and you can open more of the book. Okay? And then you unlock that and seven times you unroll and unfold the scroll until it's completely open. And written underneath those seven sections, in those seven sections, are the names of people that can be saved. Or that are saved, right? That are sealed into the book. Everyone following me? So that means everybody's name is in one of seven sections in the Lamb's Book of Life. There are seven ways in which you can be saved. And only seven. So, would you like to go through them and have a look at the different ways in which people enter into the kingdom, enter into life? Well, we could close now if you want. Ah. <laughs> uh, but we'll have a look here. Let's let's have a look. So we're going to Revelation chapter six. So and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. So the first seal, the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, "Come and see." And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow. He went forth, conquering and to conqueror. So the first beast, the white horse rider. So before we get into this, what the seal means, what? Do the beasts mean? What are those four beasts? We go back, there are four beasts that are around the throne, the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. And they guard the throne. And they represent the word of God. The word of God as it comes forth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The word of God, Jesus Christ, coming forth as a king, coming in power. As a servant coming to lay down his life. As a man in wisdom and understanding. And as an eagle in sight and swiftness. And that's the four ways that the word of God comes. But it's interesting because we can look in Ezekiel uh, chapter 1. Okay, let's, let's turn there because this, this, is a, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing um, to see. In Ezekiel chapter 1, we see those same four guards around the throne of God. And we see in verse, uh, verse 10, and it says, As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man, they four had the face of a lion on the right side, they four had the face of an ox on the left side, they four also had the face of an eagle, which was facing the other way. Alright? So you've got four beasts and they don't turn where they go, so they t go forward. So they're all pointing in one direction. So if you looked at them from, from the, the, the north side, if you like, you would just see one kind of face on those four kind of beasts. You, you understand? And you looked at them from the south side and you would see the, uh, four different faces looking at you. From one side, it would be the lion looking at you and you'd have three lions looking at you because you couldn't see the fourth one because it's behind the first one you, you, you're getting a picture here and you go around and if you go around to the other side you would get uh, the four 
eagles or three eagles looking at you. And what we can draw from that is we can say that God, when he moves, he has a, a, a dominant way that he moves in the age. So you may be living, uh, you may be gifted, let's say. You may be gifted as a, uh, let's say, a lion. And you're just a preacher who preaches like a lion. And you just spout it out and you thunder it out and, and that's, that's your ministry. Or you live like a lion, just fearless and bold. And, and, and if you do that, that doesn't excuse you from never ever being like an ox and laying down your life. That should be part of your character as well. Maybe not the dominant part of your character, but there'll be times when God calls on you to use that part of your character to give him glory. You, you understand? You can't say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an eagle, I just soar in the heights, I'm never going to lay down my life in sacrifice. I'm, I don't have to think with the wisdom of a man in situations. No, God, God blends those things together, but there's a dominant side that he's bringing out in every age. And so when we look at these ages, when God is moving as a lion, there are still people laying down their lives, they're still prophets. When God is moving with the wisdom of a man, there's still the spirit of prophecy there, there's still the spirit of service there, you, 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 there's still the power of a lion. So we're not putting God in a box and saying this can only be the age of the eagle. Okay? Because then what would we do with the people in this age? who've laid down their lives as martyrs, we tell them, oh, well, obviously you were, they weren't quite up to the standards of the age. No, they absolutely were, because God is living in all four characters at one time, but with one do being dominant, with one being what God is expressing. So, it's the gospel, it's the fullness of the word revealed for the day. Okay? And they guard the throne. And so it's really interesting to look. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The power of Jesus Christ showing itself in four different ways guarding the throne of God. And what's the throne of God? If Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are the four guards, what are they guarding? Someone tell me. The book of Acts. So what is the throne of God? The throne of God is God, the Spirit of God, not moving in Jesus Christ, but moving in His church. That's where God wants to be throned and expressed and His glory displayed. Not, you understand, not in Jesus Christ, not in that body of Jesus Christ, but in your body and my body. Because symbolically, that book of Acts, what is it? The, the physical body of Jesus doesn't appear. It's the spirit of Jesus working through the churches, glorifying God. And that's what we should understand, is that today, right now, the spirit of God is enthroned in your heart and in my heart, if he is in your heart, to express his glory, and you are the throne of God in this day. Does that make sense? And if you are the throne of God, you are guarded by those four beasts, the four gospels. And you are there to express the glory of God. And when Satan comes to attack you, I'm getting a bit off subject. Satan only attacks in four, you know, Satan attacks in four main ways. That's why God has four guards. Four, four ways that the devil and the word battle against each other in the seals. Okay? 
And so when, when the devil comes to attack you, you should be able to say, here in the life of Christ, I have my answer to stop this attack. Maybe it's in laying down my life as an ox. Maybe it's in speaking and soaring as an eagle. Maybe it's just in understanding and being wise like a man. But in those surrounding areas, I guard the throne of God, which is in my heart. Amen? So, so the first beast is a lion. And so the first seal is those who catch the revelation of God in its fullness for their age, in its fullness, and they stand in the power of that lion spirit against the devil. And they're saved. They're put, their names are put in the book. So the second one, those who are faithful unto death, laying down their life. Why? Because they caught the fullness of the word of God for their day. And they said, this is worth laying down my life for. And they had the anointing to do it. And the devil comes against them with this big red sword to chop off their heads and they say, you know what? It's worth, the word of God is worth it. And they stand there. And they're sealed into the book in the fullness of the word of God. So the fourth beast, sorry, the third beast, let's uh, not get ahead of ourselves. Those who keep themselves true to the word when the devil comes against them with wisdom and subtlety and false doctrines and they're able to see through it with the wisdom and to say, that's not what the Bible says. I'm going to just stick with the Bible, what the Bible says. And they've received the fullness of the word. I want you to pay attention to that, the fullness of the word. Because these are the people who are saved by the gospel, the fullness of the gospel, those beasts working in their power. Okay? And then, the last one, the fourth, those who hold to the revealed word and just soar above everything with the sight of an eagle. When Satan comes in the fullness of his power in whatever age he is manifest in. Okay? And, and so... I believe, uh, and, and if we had a little more time, I believe I could show you through the scriptures in all ages and through history in all ages those four kinds of believers who laid down their life or who stood with the power of a lion, who, who, who soared like, a, like a, an eagle above the tribulation, above the power of Satan in all ages saved by following, by getting into the fullness of the revelation that God had for his age. And that's what we want to be in. Because that's the only way you can be sure of being sealed into the book, is knowing that I'm living in the fullness of the age, of the word of God that I have, and the Holy Spirit has sealed me into the book. Okay? So only the... How shall I put this? Those who know that they are saved... will be saved in one of those full, four different ways living in the fullness of the word of God but that leaves us with three more seals okay and for those three more seals we're going to move out of the fullness of the word of God for the age we're going to move into people who are saved but don't live in the fullness of the word of God because they're not associated 
with beasts. They're associated with events, with things that happen rather than with the living spirits that surround God's throne. You understand? So now we're getting to the people who are saved without following the fullness of the Word of God. Which, which sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? But bear with me. How many people believe there are Christians out there, true, genuine Christians, who are baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and will go to heaven? Yeah? Sure. Are they living in the fullness of the Word of God for the age? But they will be saved. Just not under those four seals. They're saved in another part of the book. You see? Because they can't be saved in the fullness of the Word because they're not living the fullness of the Word. So they're saved in other ways. But God loves life. And that's what we need to hold on to is God loves life. He's going to save as many people by as many different ways as he can and he's going to stuff the kingdom of heaven full of life. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? No one is going to be able to escape from God unless they really, really try. No one is going to be able to reject God unless they really, really try to reject God. You understand? Because God has three more ways that you can be saved. So let's look at the fifth seal. (coughs) Really interesting here. When he'd opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given every one of them. And it was said unto them they should rest for a little while rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants and their brethren should be killed as they would were should be fulfilled so the fifth seal are those who stayed faithful to the fullness of the word they were given but they didn't get the fullness of the word for the age Okay. the best example of this is we can see here the Jews and the Jews crying for vengeance. What happened to them? They're living, to the best of their understanding, they're living the word of God as best they understand it, and what God has given them, but God blinded their eyes, so the Gentiles could come into salvation. Okay? So, God blinded their eyes, and he says, you know what? You are living to the best of your ability, to the portion of word that I've given you. It's not the fullness of the word that I've given you, but it's a portion, and you are living it, and I will save you. Because I stopped you from seeing any better. You couldn't see any better, and you lived faithful to that portion of what you knew was the truth. They're really interesting. Because I don't believe... It's just Jews and all the Jews is going to be under the, 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 the fifth seal. I believe there's... Okay, let's turn to Romans chapter 2. I'll show you someone else that I believe is going to be under this uh, fifth seal. Ah, uh, uh, lovely, lovely, lovely scriptures. 
Um, do, 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 do. We'll start verse uh, 11. For there is no respecter of persons with God. Aren't you glad about that? For as many have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are justified before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Now listen, verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, not having the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the works of the law written in their heart, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. What does that mean? That there is a natural law of God, and you'll find this natural law of God in every single religion in the world. Okay? And the natural law of God that everyone, you know, and they say, oh, all religions are the same, because it's just about do unto your neighbor as you would have done unto yourself. Right? You'll, you'll find some form of that commandment written in pretty much every single major religion in the world. Why? Because it's a universal truth. Treat people right. Treat people like you would have them be treated. Don't tell lies. Don't steal. Yeah? There are a few religions that say we should steal, but, you know, but the majority, if you look at the Muslim religion, it talks, you know, don't steal, live right. You look at the Hindus, you know, love Buddhists, and, and these people, they're all about you know, get into a place where you can express love and live for other people. Goodness me, business today, business leaders, talk about levels of leadership. Uh, and, and they say the highest level of leadership that you have is living for other people. It's, it's a business principle. Why? Because it's a universal, truly accepted, true principle that's laid down by God that says my laws are out there in the, in the wild. You can see them for yourself. It's my word manifest. So here you have Gentiles, they don't have the law of Moses. Maybe they don't have the gospel of Christ, but they do have this ability to tell what's right and wrong. And if you have someone who identifies and says, I want to live right, no matter what my surroundings are, I'm going to live right. Oh, he's not living right. Well, he's living right. See, he's excusing or accusing other people based on what he feels. I remember, I talked to a guy in England. Uh, He was a pagan. Uh, He was my boss at uh, Eastleigh Borough Council. And and he was an absolute... He said, I'm a pagan. I grew up as a Christian, but I decided to become a pagan because I believe the old gods are still there. And there was a, uh, a guy, another manager, who was just a monster of a guy. He was cruel. He was, he was not a nice person. And I remember Doug, was his name, uh, the, the, my manager, he said to me, what that guy is doing is not right. He said, is there a judgment waiting for him? And I said, you know what? Yes, I believe there is. I believe everyone is going to be judged according to their works. And he said, yeah, I believe that too. You see, because he saw the wrong that he was doing and it just burned him. 
that this guy is doing wrong and he's getting away with it. Right? Does that ever burn you too? Yeah? And it, does it ever burn... You do ever see people in the, in the world who are basic, good, decent people and they're burned by... You know, how can this person do this for so long and nobody's, you know... Alright, so there's a basic judgment. So, there they are. They're living true to the word of God that they've been given through the laws of nature. And just like the Jews, they're crying out, How long, O Lord, do I have to live like a good person and this person is getting away with evil? You see? So, I believe that that fifth seal includes people who live true to the word of God that they're given, however they receive it, even though it's not the fullness of the word of God. So, who else will we find? You know, let, let's say someone who was living in the, the plains of Mongolia when Jesus Christ was alive. He never heard of Moses, he never heard of Jesus, but God had a witness for him. Where does he find his salvation? God says, I'll bring you in under this fifth seal because you stayed true to the best that you knew of what I gave you to live. I didn't give you the fullness to live in, but you lived in the fullness of what you were given. So there's our fifth way of salvation, living in the fullness of what you were given. Alright? To whom much is given, much is required. Okay, so let's look at the sixth seal. Sixth seal shows us our sixth way of being saved. <coughs> uh, and this is chapter 6, verse 12 of Revelations. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became... Oh, you know what? You know who else I believe is saved under the fifth seal? I'll give you an example from the scripture. Naaman the Syrian. Okay? Do you remember the story of Naaman? Okay? And, uh, and he, said, he said to the prophet, I believe in Jehovah. He said, give me a bag of soil. He said, all I want is a bag of soil from this place that I can go and I can spread out and I can worship the one true God on the soil of the one true God. He said, but would the Lord excuse me this thing? I, I'm the chief captain. And when the king goes into his house to worship his God, he leans on my arm. That's part of my duty. He said, is Jehovah, is the Lord going to excuse me for this? And the prophet said to him, go in peace. Yeah? Do you believe Naaman the Syrian's going to be in heaven? Oh, for sure. I believe he's in the book of life. Is he part of the elect, of the called, of those that were given the fullness of the word to walk in for their day? I don't know. I don't believe so. But did he live in the fullness of the word that God gave him? Absolutely, I believe. So I believe he's another example of someone who's in the book under the fifth seal, living the fullness of the word that you've been given, even though it's not the fullness of the word for the day, because it's not the, under the four beasts. All right, so, sixth seal. And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together. 
and every mountain and island were moved out of their place and the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the faith of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? And so this is all, these are those who are saved even though they did not live up to the fullness of the revelation that God had given them. For some reason, although they saw it, they couldn't enter into it fully. And when judgment comes, they recognize the day of the Lord has come and I didn't prepare myself. I didn't prepare myself. And we find them, he says, they, they, they come out <coughs> and they, they die for their sins. They wash their robes in their own blood rather than in the blood of the Lamb. Okay? And so, they die in there, but they've identified the Word. They just haven't lived up to it. Uh, and you can find them in, uh, what is it? I think it's Matthew 25. yeah Matthew 25 then shall we the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins five were wise five were foolish all were virgins all will be saved, all are pure, but half of them couldn't enter in and they're shut out of the marriage because they didn't get the Holy Spirit. They saw the Word and they knew the Word and they actually, uh, brothers and sisters, have you ever thought about this? Okay? Okay, this is this is really poor because I let's let's see if we can. All right, what's that? Good. What's that? A vessel. Okay, where do you get the flame? in the lamp alright break this down for a minute break this down okay five of them were wise and five were foolish they that were foolish took their lamps but no oil with them okay alright now listen are you, are you listening okay while the bridegroom tarried, uh, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. Do you realize what that means? It means all of them had oil in here, because all of them had lamps burning. Not all of them had oil in here. 
did you ever think about that? The foolish virgins had just as much manifestation of the Holy Spirit oil in their lamps as the wise virgins did. Did you never think about that? They had the flame. They had oil in their lamps. They just never had oil in their vessels. They couldn't get a refill when the time came. So it doesn't matter how, how, you know, hey, Stephen, you get anointed on the piano. You minister. Okay? That's oil in your lamp coming out, burning in the power of God. Okay? Do you have oil in your vessel? Okay? That's what you've got to ask yourself. Do you have oil in your vessel? Because the anointing that comes when you're using the oil in your lamp is just the same as the anointing that comes when you're using the oil in your lamp and you have a vessel full of oil as well. Where does the refill come from? I'll give you wells of living water springing up from inside you. That new birth experience. So can you have a vessel, a lamp, excuse me, full of oil without the new birth experience? Yes. So you have to examine yourself and say, is my lamp and my vessel full? Have I really been born again? Because you can have all the outward signs without ever being born again. Okay? So, and they were shut out of the wedding. Why? Their sixth seal. They go into the tribulation. Okay? The wicked, slothful servant who is cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay? Uh, we find this guy, um, doo -doo -doo, isn't it Corinthians? Where he says, uh, take heed how you build thereon. Yeah, that's Corinthians. If I, I've laid a foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Everyone can build on it, gold, hay, stubble, whatever you want. Okay? But take heed, because everything's going to be tried by fire. And that fire is going to consume everything that will be consumed. He said, and that man will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Why? Because he's saved under the sixth seal, because he never entered into the fullness of the word. He got to the foundation, he didn't go any further. But, you see, he's mixed right together with the people who got to the foundation and who think, I'm pretty good, I'm sitting here and I'm relaxing. He's in the judgment of the sheep and the goats. Where half of them are saved and half of them are lost. Okay? So that's, that's your, so don't, don't say, I want to be in the book under the fifth seal. Okay, don't say I want to be in the book under the sixth seal because then you're leaving things to chance. You say, I want to be sure that I'm in the book because I'm living the fullness of the word for my age and I'm sealed into that with the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. They're full of the word but they didn't go all the way in. And you notice their judgment, their judgment starts with themselves. They say, fall on us because the day of the Lord has come. They recognize the day they're living in and they say, I didn't prepare myself for the day I'm living in. Well, that's a lesson for us, right? You get left behind and you'll be like, i got no one to blame but myself. Fall on me. Rocks, cover me. Because 
I'll look back and I'll see the time I wasted on the computer and I'll see the time I wasted reading the wrong kind of books and I'll see the time I wasted listening to the wrong kind of music instead of getting into the Word of God. And I'll say, fall on me. So they're saved. But they do, and they recognize it. But that's the sixth way that you can be saved. Saved through the judgment of God because you didn't quite enter in. Alright, so that leaves us with one final way to be saved, the seventh seal. I love this seal. And for the seventh seal, we turn over to Revelation chapter 8. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. The mystery seal, ah, I love this one. It's those who are saved and don't know it. Okay? Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, none of you are going to be saved under the seventh seal. Alright? You know too much to be saved under the seventh seal. To be saved and not know that you're saved. Okay? What's that place reserved for? Well, uh, let's turn back to Matthew 25 because he got uh, this wonderful description of that. Because, uh, like I say, God loves life. He's going to save everybody by any means that he can. And we should live our lives in that kind of a way. Alright? <coughs> okay, I'm not going to read it. You can read it when you get home. From verse 31 to the end of the chapter. I'm going to tell it as a story. And so there's a man, or a woman. And they live their life in the most evil way. And they get to the throne of God and they see that everyone is going to be judged by the works of their life. And there's no hiding before God. And although it's in the heart to say, I, I just want to run away, I want to flee away, there's no place to hide. And he looks back on his life and he sees every single thing that he did wrong. <laughs> like uh, William Branham, when he was 14, he just uh, looked at this with the kids, falling into an endless hell, into torment. And his one claim, Lord have mercy on me, I never did commit adultery. You know, desperate, to find a way to be justified before God, but knowing in his heart there's nothing that can justify me. I look at myself and all I see is the wrong that I've done. And, and I can't hide from it. You can hide from it now. You won't be able to hide from it there. And he comes before God and he says, you know what? Just don't even bother reading the book. Just let me die. Just get me out of existence because this, the pressure of this torment of knowing I'm about to be judged for the things that I have done and knowing I'm unworthy, it's too much for me to bear. And that's the torment of the lost. That's the fire that torments the lost. It's not a hell fire. And it's, it's knowing that things could have been different 
if you lived different. It's knowing that you did the wrong thing when you knew what the right thing to do was. It's knowing that you walked by salvation in your life when you could have entered into salvation. There's no one that can torment you like you can torment yourself. And he says to God, just, I don't want, don't even read it, just, I know where I belong. We should all know where we belong. Be grateful for the love of God that brings us to where he put us. But he says, God, I know where I belong. And, I, and he just starts to walk away. I know where I belong. I, I didn't even try and live right. And God, sitting on his throne, says to him, Hey, hey, don't walk away. Don't walk away. Come. Come, blessed of my Father. Come and enter. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he says, Me? But I'm a sinner. I didn't even ever try and do something right. I, I, I didn't ever make a conscious effort to seek you. And you say you have a kingdom prepared for me? And he would say, yes. You're the righteous. You're the righteous of the world. How can I be righteous? I'm looking at my life and I can't see one thing where I was righteous. And he would say to them, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. Naked and he clothed me. I was sick and he visited me. I was in prison and he came to me. And in that moment, that man's life, that person's life, that woman's life, just flips totally around in the eyes of God. And it goes from being an unrighteous life, not doing anything right, to being a righteous life. Then shall the righteous answer. <laughs> what? I never even saw I And you say, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You see? <laughs> Imagine that, brothers and sisters, and we should all live in that, that, that joy and that life that, that by the blessings of God, we have the knowledge of the Word of God that says we have passed from death to life. We don't think about it enough. I tell you what, we do not think about it enough and we are not grateful enough to God. But imagine the thanksgiving you get for those people who get to the end of the line and they know that they know that they know in their heart of hearts they're about to pass into eternal destruction and just die. And God says to them, Come, you blessed of the Lord. Saved and don't know it. The final part of the book, saved under the seventh seal. Okay. But how important is it, is it for us?
how important it is for us to live that kind of life. Okay? Naked and he clothed me. Uh, thirsty and we gave you drink. And you see something help them. You know, it's simple, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I think, uh, God bless you, Brother Nate. I think you're the only one in here who uh, doesn't really need to leave a few, lose a few pounds. <laughs> uh, the brothers only, of course. Uh, but all the rest of us, we have enough to eat and more, right? I mean, <laughs> I know it's Saturday, you feed him, I'm sure, but... <coughs> but all of the rest of us, we have enough money and more for what we need. The life of Christ is also displayed in helping others. You don't know who's who. You don't know who's who. Witness to them, and, and but help them with your worldly goods as well, because it's the helping with the worldly goods that's all these people into into heaven, right? So how much more should we also be? I'm not going to say let's go into let's start a big social gospel movement, but we should be helping as we can, as we're able. Amen. So we should love life like God loves life. But how terrible that person who gets to that point and is only judged out of the things written in their book of life and what they've done. How terrible that person. How terrible for that person who doesn't have any identification in the word of God and is judged according to the things that you did that you knew were right or wrong because if you're not found in the book of life you'll be judged out of your, your book you need to get in the book of life and your only security in this life is knowing you're sealed into that book by the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the genuine new birth experience Otherwise, you're leaving too much to chance. And you're leaving to chance that you walk up to the throne and you won't have an identification there. Don't be that person. Come to Jesus. Get sealed into his body. Make sure you have the Holy Spirit. Go back and check your anchor, check your roots, check where you've been and say, Lord, do I have the Holy Spirit? You know, am I just showing the signs of the Holy Spirit? And, and this was Paul's concern. He said, you know what, I check myself because I, I can shine so brightly and help many get to salvation, but I myself could be cast off if I don't have the genuine thing. You know, because it's not in what you do, it's in your relationship with God that you find your salvation. You're leaving it to what you do. You have no security of salvation. So, those are the seven ways that you can be saved. There's no other way to be saved other than under one of those seals. And everybody who's been in heaven 
is underneath one of those seals and will have come into the kingdom in one of those seven ways. But when it comes down to it, we're all sinners saved by grace who are in the Lamb's book of life because he bought us with his blood. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Give us a chord for that. Twas grace that taught my heart to Oh, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first save it with all your heart don't compromise your testimony of Jesus Christ make sure that your name is sealed into the kingdom you're not relying on you know being under 5th, 6th or 7th seal but you know you're sealed under the fullness of the word of God that he has for you today Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We ask you to be with us, 
Lord, as we go back out into the world. And Lord, help us to find the people that you have written in the book. Help us to, to be your witnesses of your love and your life in this world. Help us, Father, to, to live for you. As befits people that have been saved, Lord, that should be lost, but have been saved by your grace that should be going to hell that should be eternally separated from God from life itself because of the things that we've done but you came down and you said enter into the kingdom I have and not at that point where we're about to enter into death Lord but now Lord you said we can enter in right now help us to enter in and to live faithful to you to the calling that you've given us Lord let everyone find their place of salvation with you in this day don't let anyone be lost Lord let us all come into your kingdom thank you for your goodness and your love be with us now in Jesus name Amen Amazing Grace God bless you all how sweet the sound 